Hey, this is Randy. If you're an entrepreneur or really anyone who's trying to live with more purpose and intention, check out a recent podcast I discovered called Bits of Gold. Bits of Gold is a weekly podcast where host Danny Goldberg shares his inspiring stories to help us discover and live with more purpose in all we do. A little bit about Danny. By 25, he lost both his parents to rare cancers, and it changed how he viewed the world. He now interviews the world's most passionate mentors, coaches, athletes, and entrepreneurs, and he asks them a question. How do you truly live? Join him as he interviews fascinating individuals who dive deep into thought-provoking topics, offering bits of gold on navigating adversity, building resilience, finding joy, and living purposefully. Go check it out. Bits of Gold with Danny Goldberg. It's hosted on all your favorite podcast platforms. I'm Randy Rohde, and I'm fascinated with entrepreneurs and small business owners. Plus, I love baseball. Every show, I sit down with a small business owner, and we discuss their running the bases of entrepreneurship. We throw the ball around on strategy, management, execution, and innovation. Plus, a little fun baseball talk. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Settle in, grab your Cracker Jacks, and you know what they say. Play ball! And it's a great day for a ball game. And this is Randy Rohde on Running the Bases with Small Businesses. And our guest today is the president and CEO at The Neat Company, based in Philadelphia. He graduated from Cornell University and dove straight into web development and product management arenas, eventually starting his own firm, Wallatron, interesting name. And after several years, he exited there and is currently leading the charge at The Neat Company. And we're going to learn all about that. Welcome to the show, Garrett Baird. Garrett, glad to have you. Great to be with you, Randy. Yeah, very fun. Hey, our research team always does a fabulous job and uh, prepares the show for us. And they always dig up the most interesting tidbits of information on our guests. And this one, I, I was when I saw this the other day, I'm like, wow, that's very cool. I have to ask you about this. This is dating back to a New York Times article that she found. Found uh, and I think the title of it is "From Fraternity President to Captain of Summer," <laughs> uh, and and the gist of it is. So I'll tell to the listeners here is that you essentially kind of were the the head or leader or I don't know what title you'd want to give yourself, um, but for a number of different uh, of summers, you essentially managed houses for kind of co-sharing uh, on the Jersey shore for like eight to 17 people, evidently. And uh, there's so many questions I have just around that. We could probably do just a show on that subject, but uh, how did you get into that? Tell us about that. Oh man. So uh, that's uh, Cracker Jack research there, by the way, <laughs> to your team. So it's, I, I can see my, my wife's face getting red oh, downstairs no. uh, where she is right now. Uh, that was literally the time when, uh, when we were first getting together. So for years, yeah, I was, uh, you know, just putting together a fun uh, s- a summer 
uh, house for a group of kind of you know rowdy twenty somethings uh, who wanted to go uh, uh, go get some sunburn on the weekend uh, after you know working working hard during the week, and you always needed somebody who was kind of kind of put it together, make sure everybody paid, figured out what the policies were going to be about guests, which was always a weird controversial thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was always happy to do it. It was, it was good fun, but uh, eventually, uh, you know, life takes over and, uh, you know, I, I met somebody very special. Yeah. Uh, we've been married now for, for 12 years, uh, three kids later. Those uh, uh, I, I do miss those days, though, sometimes but, uh, the summer beach houses. fun beach fun takes on a very different form now. Randy. Yes, yeah. it does. Believe me, I that I know as well with kids. So the Jersey Shore, I don't know if I've ever spent any time actually on the Jersey Shore, but I'm just imagining, you know, it's beach and uh, and your experience is interesting. So. When I was in college, I lived in a house with, you know, we always had people coming and going um, during the summers in college like that. But you, what you're describing, you were like kind of, I'll call them young professionals. I mean, these are people who actually had some money and who had jobs and they're like, hey, we want to live out on the Jersey Shore for the summer and just had some, I'm guessing you probably have some very fun summer stories, uh, probably some you, you, you can't share. But uh, precisely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. But uh, I remember that, you know, that kind of Memorial Day weekend, getting down there to get everything organized and, uh, you know, having a, a couple of a uh, couple of the people in the shore house making that big trip to Costco oh, and yeah. figuring out uh, what we're going to stock the house with and get ready for a great summer was, uh, it was just bring, brings back so many fun. How memories. did you bring the people together? I mean, so this was had to be like some probably you knew, but I'm guessing as well, there were just some that you just met or something. Friends, acquaintances. And, you know, sometimes when we would you know, we'd get these, these homes with, you know, four and five uh, bedrooms and you, you'd sleep kind of maybe two or three people to a bedroom, depending on who was going to be around whatever weekend. These were just fr- friends. And then we, of course, had to recruit people at, yeah. at times to come in and make sure that we could make, make the, f- the financials <laughs> meet and make it affordable for everybody. But you had to do that in the winter time yeah. before you committed to a full summer in you know, a particular house. So this was, this was like months of planning in the making to make it all work, but always so, so worth it. So many like amazing memories with, oh, with good friends, uh, all of whom we still stay in touch today. So you but, were the uh, guy, they, you know, met so many have just gone on to their own lives and oh, families sure. that you just, you do kind of uh, grow up, out of this yeah. or uh, this eventually <laughs> eventually we do grow up yes so but you were like the business head of this i guess i, I don't know if you really had a title or not, but you know, when you start talking about, you know, we had to make the financials work. I mean, you're talking like a real business guy here around this. This is I, the, it was right? I mean, between rules and spreadsheets uh, to, you know, collecting the, the money, making sure every, every buddy was, was uh, on par. Uh, if, you know, things got out of control, who, who's it going to fall back on to yeah, get sure. things in order? That, that was me. Good, good experience and, uh, for you. Yeah. yeah so as yes. you move from it was a great experience, 
As you move from that business management, <laughs> I guess, to your current role as CEO of a, of a very large company, quite a transition. So tell us a little bit about uh, the NEAT company, what it is that you guys do, uh, product services that you offer, how you support small businesses and entrepreneurs. Yeah. So the, the neat companies, actually a 20 year old business. Uh, I've, uh, I've been with the organization for just about two and a half years. And I, I came to the, I've, I've known the business for a long time, it's been based in Philadelphia, like I am. And many people will remember the neat company for, uh, for our scanners. Uh, so the neat receipts scanner was right, very right. popular with uh, road warriors and uh, small business owners in their home to do quick scanning of receipts, invoices, uh, any other kinds of documents. And the company eventually coupled that with a fantastic cloud backup service, one of the first of its kind uh, that had a monthly subscription to it. So you know, we started building relationships with our customers that were you know, more than just a one-time purchase. It was uh, an ongoing relationship with our customer and the value of being all your data will be there accessible from any kind of device, but still with the amazing full data parsing that we've always been really good at. That's always one of the surprising things um, after somebody scans in, say, a receipt or a, a customer contract uh, or, you know, their organizational documents, uh, if they're formed in, you know, an LLC or something like that, they see the PDF that gets produced and they're like, wait a minute, I can like highlight the text on this and... I can search the entire contents of this. So we have always been amazingly strong uh, at parsing documents uh, and helping our customers organize them. And we knew, you know, fast forwarding to three years ago, uh, that we always wanted to expand uh, on that capability and continue to serve small business owners uh, in new and even more valuable ways. Uh, and so that's when we looked at things like, oh, all right, you know we're we're pretty heavy into uh, capturing receipts, uh, so maybe you know just basic expense management and reporting, kind of like the expensifies of the world at the time or uh, concur. But then decided to take it a step even further and take a fresh, simplified approach to basic accounting for very small business owners. And, you know, while the, you know, QuickBooks, FreshBooks waves of the world are out there, we found that most people in our niche are either operating their, you know, financial metrics out of a spreadsheet, uh, oftentimes a template that they've just downloaded from the internet and kind of created their own system out of, or they're literally running their business out of their online banking in an account that has you know mingled personal transactions and their business transactions and they're just kind of kind of winging it because as, as you can probably appreciate randy nobody started their business to become an accounting and bookkeeping expert <laughs> unless you started an accounting or bookkeeping yeah, company. Unless, unless that's your love but yeah no that is so, uh, we have now moved into uh, this space to make uh, you know overall financial organization 
so easy for our customers. Whether you are a, literally a side hustler, just kind of getting uh, uh, supplementing your income for, uh, on top of your day job, uh, or all the way up to you know you're running uh, you know multi-person business, um, whether that's um, whether that's as a as a creative, uh, so you're you know serving clients, or uh, you are out doing uh, doing great work uh, in the world, cutting lawn, cutting hair, whatever it is. Mm. Uh, our system gives that, you know, we really wanted to focus on NEAT as not just a company name, but the experience itself, getting financially organized and doing it easily without having to know or for it even to matter, what's a journal entry, right? What's the general ledger? What is, um, how do I depreciate an asset? For most of our customers who are just concerned about their cash flow, what are my you know ins and outs? Can I go and you know take on a new client? Can I hire an employee? Those things don't matter. And so we 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 have made it super simple to manage the cash into your business, the cash out of your business, and your reporting obligations to the government. And then in between. We want to make it super easy for you to see the health of your business right. along the way. Right. That's it. Oh, I will say that as one of those people, like I didn't start a business so that I could run accounting because I hate for years I have hated and I would stack up literally like the year's worth of uh, journal entries because I hate it. And then I would like, Oh, I would hate the time. I have to spend like three days just focused. That's all I did was journal entering. And finally I just like, okay, I'm done with this. And we brought in, or essentially I should say we outsourced all of that bookkeeping and, uh, all of that because, Exactly. I'm, I don't want to be an accountant and that's not, and I hate doing it. I'd much rather focus on clients and, uh, and our services that we do. And I've got to imagine that most small business owners are in the same position. I mean, there's so many other things that we're always end up dealing with, uh, that accounting is just one of the, the last aspects of it. But I will tell you, even for me, as much as I deplored it, I always had this reluctance still about it, kind of these objections. And I'm going to throw out some of them to you, and maybe you can address them to assuage the uh, reticence of some of our listeners who are thinking like, ah, do I, do I want to, you know, I did this probably for two years, like, do I want to outsource this or not? One of those was like, so outsource bookkeeping services are too expensive. So, uh, going back to something that you said, you know, while people, you know, are loath to be doing their accounting, we found from our, you know, just serving our customers, they are very interested, however, in what it can tell them right. about their business. And so we want to bridge that gap as easily as we can. And sure, does it cost money to uh, get this going? Yes but we try to keep our fees very low. There are some digital accounting solutions where you'll pay you know, hundreds of dollars a month and you'll get, you know, the, uh, here's everything's done. And we've, we've had many of our customers say, well, no, I don't want it all done. I'm, you know, happy to do the categorization and the customer billing. In fact, I, you know, that's, if you can make that easy for me by making the workflow simple, 
making sure that I can do the same thing on the uh, on the web as I can in your mobile app. I'm happy to do all all that work myself because I'm interested in in what it can tell me. So when it when it comes to the the value, we keep our costs very low. You know, you look at you can go right to neat.com and see that our solution, for example, we've you know kept that very simple as well. Right, One right. single price, twenty four bucks a month for an annual subscription, and we've we've actually introduced something very interesting that this show would be one of the first uh, introductions uh, of this, which is for years, the payment fees that have been associated with electronic invoices. And so we, you know, we enable our customers to bill their customers. And we've seen, you know, many uh, of our customers are selling and billing for their time, whether they're, you know, creatives uh, or they independent consultants, web designers, web developers, but anyway, what they have in common is they're billing for their time. And when they send an electronic invoice to their customers, so many uh, still are kind of doing that attached Word document and waiting for the paper check to arrive uh, in the mail. And we digitize that entire process. Others do too. And for years, the bank transactions, so you know, customers, our clients have a choice. All right, do you want to allow your customers to pay you with a credit card or debit card, or do you want to do a bank transaction? And they've always had fees associated with them. You know, the card fees are, are standard. So, you know, Visa and MasterCard kind of never let you get away with uh, you know, paying anything below the, the industry right. standard there. But the bank transactions have always been interesting to me because uh, my background has been in, in billing and payments for years in the software business, mostly mostly in the enterprise. But when we look at bank transactions, the going rate of 1% has always been you know, the, the industry standard in digital accounting. We, we want to turn that on its head. So we, we are introducing and have just introduced no fee uh, ACH transactions, mm. bank transactions into the market. So literally, if you are somebody who's a creative and perhaps you're, you know, billing a handful of customers, a thousand, two thousand dollars a month, those can add up uh, yeah. pretty quickly. And it gets to the point where our subscription can actually pay for itself if you've been using if you've been using a solution, another solution to collect those payments electronically. Uh, so. We're delighted with that, and that makes the expense equation very favorable to our clients, uh, which we're happy, happy, very yeah. happy about. Well, and so as you kind of mapped out like your pricing structure, like 25 bucks a month, basically, and, it, and this is what I did. It was like, so if I was spending, if I'm going to spend $300 a month or a, a, a year, so I went back and I'm like, well, what is my time? How much, how much time have I been spending? And, and I, it was an easy, easy calculation. Like, oh my gosh, my time is well worth more than uh, what I would be paying from a, an outsourced expense. So I, I cleared that hurdle. The other hurdle that it took me a minute to get over though, was I just always have this paranoia about security, right? So the security risk of my own financial information, and then as well for my clients as well and their data. How did you guys address that? What do you guys do? Yeah. So with need, you know, given our history in scanning and storing sensitive data, this has always been top of mind for us. So we have always implemented into our technology stack, the uh, all of the uh, latest security uh, technology. 
you often see the phrase and we use it too, because it's, uh, it's, it's the right way to think about it. Bank level security that we provide to our customers. And we've been doing that for you know, 20 years. So we are, this is not new to us uh, implementing all of these security best practices uh, that our customers have come to expect. And yeah, when, when you see things like, Hey, connect in, connect up your bank account and stream in your transactions. Many of our customers do a double take on that for sure. So we want to you know, always be reassuring them that we don't store your bank credentials on our side. This data is uh, highly encrypted and uh, is, is uh, you know, not, not at risk. That being said, some still hesitate to that. So we, we've actually introduced something into our product that just lets you do a full demo test drive of test transactions in there. So you can see what the experience is like without having to make that connection. And it becomes obvious uh, then for many of our customers, oh, that's what happens with the data. Got it. Mm. And uh, that will often clear the hurdle for them. Nice. I'm going to ask you, do you guys have, and I'm almost embarrassed because I didn't look at this myself before we started talking. Do you have an online integration, meaning a website backend integration? So for people that are doing e-commerce or selling things so that essentially it's a a, a transaction front end uh, processing. We've been primarily focused on service-based businesses, okay. but for those that are selling goods, if you've got a PayPal account, for right. example, uh, that is you know kind of your main source of where sales are being made, uh, yes, you can absolutely connect that in as well. So we've got mm-hmm. kind of a select number of uh, integrations mm-hmm. that we have have out of the box. But you'll see you know, many, most of our customers are kind of in that freelancer, independent consultant, solopreneur yeah. uh, realm. And so they're very interested in being able to quickly and easily bill their customers for their time, get the handful of expenses that they have organized, feel prepared for taxes, and also get those insights. Like, am I in a right, position right. where I can take on that next big project? Can I hire somebody else into my agency? So the, those are the kinds of insights that we're able to provide to those customers. Yeah, that's nice. I, we'll have to uh, explore uh, some of your uh, solutions because we build a lot of different websites for various clients that have uh, some form of e-commerce at times. And they're typically are integrating things like WooCommerce or BigCommerce and then utilizing either PayPal or Stripe as a processor. And uh, so we'll see. We'll look at that on our end. I was like, wow, this could be a, a, a nice offering potentially for some of our clients as well. I'm going to let you celebrate something here as, uh, as well. So you just recently, because I got the press release actually, which was great, that Neat launches mobile app that puts total financial management into the hands of small business owners. So this was just literally a few days ago, actually, that you announced the launch of this. You want to wow, talk so about that? Yeah, something we're absolutely delighted about. So we have been investing heavily in our mobile experience. So Neat traditionally has been, um, you know, a web-based experience. We've always had a, a mobile app that was kind of a companion to your Neat experience, but we wanted to get to a position where we felt a customer who was finding us finding us in, in the app store could sign up, 
subscribe and have their entire need experience in the app itself. And so that's, uh, that's the point that we're at now. We, we couldn't be more excited about it. Again, whether you, your preference is operating from your mobile app. So I love to, you know, you want to be able to invoice your customers on the go, send them a reminder, see your latest uh, bank transactions. Even, even uh, this is always an amazing one to me, Randy. Somebody will go into the need app and they've connected, you know, their bank account, their kind of their core checking for their business, their credit card, and maybe, you know, one of these kind of PayPal accounts, they see them together for the first time and realize, oh my goodness, I, I don't have to like log into Bank of America and Wells Fargo and American Express and PayPal to figure out what's um, <laughs> what's what about, right. about my expenses. Um, and so we have consolidated all of that into one single app experience. And so that's what we were super excited to announce. Wow. Well, congratulations on that. Now I do have to ask because I'm an Android user, when is the Android version coming out? So we, we have an Android version of the app. It's just, uh, we are catching up on the whole sign up and subscription process okay. uh, with the Google play store All right. in, in the coming weeks. All right. So <clears> I'll, I'll look forward soon. to it then. All right. So it's available on the Apple store and is it just the, it's called the neat mobile app. Is that what they should search yes, for? If they're on the search for search for neat in the, uh, uh, in the app store, you will find us uh, very quickly and uh, definitely encourage you to take, nice. take a test drive right nice. through the app. Itself. Yeah. And, and I understand you got a 14 day free trial on it. So that's always fun. I like free. So I'm all, right, I'm all in right on up. free. Yeah. Uh, very good. All right. So Garrett, we've talked about the seventh inning stretch. Here it comes. Are you ready? And it's time for the seventh inning stretch. All right, Garrett. So this is the point in the show. I get to ask you a little bit about, uh, I don't know, some baseball trivia stuff just for the fun of it. Um, are you a baseball fan by chance living out in Philly? I am a baseball fan, All right. uh, but I, I would say I've, for whatever reason, the city of Philadelphia in the last many years transformed me into a larger football fan. Oh, sure. Baseball. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, however, I was, you know, that kid who grew up collecting baseball cards, sticker books, all of that. So if you've got any, you know, who, who, you know, who led the league in uh, triples in 1986, I, you know, I could tell you Willie Wilson was your guy from the Kansas City Royals, but that's nice. That's, nice. that's, some, that's some good old history right there. That's, a good, <laughs> that's some good data. I'm not going to reach it back that far. Sorry, brother. By the way, did you happen to catch uh, that Phillies Cubs series that just happened over the, the last I, weekend? I did not, unfortunately. Yeah. We've uh, we, we've been you know excited about the Phillies prospects since uh, Jim yeah. Girardi's departure, but uh, no, I missed it. Yeah, well, I, it was the Cubs swept the Phillies there in Philadelphia the first time in like I don't know twenty some odd years and which is crazy because the Cubs are challenged this year, we will say <laughs> at best. So anyway, so we're gonna talk about kind of a little bit about the business in baseball to kind of tie into your niche a little bit and really about the business of managing season tickets. All right. 
season tickets. People buy season tickets. I don't know if you've ever had season tickets. I used to be a season ticket holder. Sometimes I'm like, what the heck do I do with all of these tickets? I, there's no way I can go to all of these games. My wife wouldn't put up with it. And so we used to give them away to like employees, like here's staff, go have fun, give them to clients. I still would end up having a bunch of tickets left over. So there's a whole business around this. Before we get into this, before it, your main question, though, I've got a few run-up kind of little tidbits for you. So season ticket holder, who do you think is uh, uh, the top priciest stadium for season tickets? Probably not that difficult to figure this one out. But. Just uh, probably, I would guess Fenway Park, just because of lower capacity and, you know, very big, big payroll team, lots of revenue. That's very logical. I, I will have to applaud you for that. It's Maybe actually, on a per seat basis. Yeah. Um, it's, it's actually the Yankees and up to $17,000 for a one season ticket. That's their, one of their, ah, their top premier uh, ticket, uh, but yeah. So very comfy looking seats yeah. you see behind home plate. Yes, but very similar, right? You've got a high uh, payroll team, so they got to generate some money for that. Uh, here's another little run-up question. So MLB ranks their kind of in demand for tickets um, throughout uh, the, the seasons and, and such. So thus far through the 2022 season, top 10 in demand MLB teams and their tickets. You can imagine, you know, probably wouldn't be too difficult to rattle off. The number one, I was a little surprised by my fan favorites. The Cubs uh, were number seven on this list. Philly, number nine on the list. That actually did kind of surprise me. Nothing against Philadelphia, but <laughs> number one, have any idea? This one surprised me. This was not one of like you would think the Yankees or the Red Sox. Number one in demand, in season, demand, ticket. In demand season ticket. I'm going to guess the last place Washington Nationals. <laughs> <laughs> That would be something. Uh, the Atlanta Braves. Now, nothing against the Braves. I mean, they're a popular Beautiful team, stadium. Right? Yeah, beautiful, beautiful stadium. stadium. You know, World Series winners. In my mind, when you always hear, you know, top 10, who has the most, I'm always thinking Yankees or the Red Sox. It's always got to be, right? Yankees, one Sox. of those. You can't almost lose with guessing one of those people. But yeah. And the most on-demand or in-demand home opener for this season was Red Sox versus the Yankees on April 7th to open it up. So, you know, ah. crazy. So here's your, so we talked about season tickets. So, and there's a whole, you know, kind of business out there in regards to season tickets. So, and this is where my research team says, well, you guide it from like summer shares, right? So your summer housing sharing uh, business to season ticket sharing. Okay. You got the make, making a stretch on a connection there, but we're try, trying to get I'll there. go with it. All right. So here's your question. What percent of season ticket holders share or sell their tickets on third-party platforms? I mean, it's got to be a huge number. Uh, just, I mean, 95%. I mean, it's got to be huge. It, it is big. It's bigger... Um, it is big, less than what I thought, and I think this will surprise. I you. mean, eighty-one 70%. games is is a lot to commit to, yeah. unless you're a rabid 
fan of the team. Uh, okay, maybe 70 percent. Can you imagine? Seventy. Seventy percent. So, saying then that thirty percent of the people don't share or or sell, or they've got their go-to friends that they split it up right. with. Uh, that's what I was just thinking. Who, well. who needs a third-party platform? Right. Yeah. yeah. So crazy, but that's a good number. But wow. All right. Well, yes, see, that wasn't so bad, Garrett. We, we, we rattled off some fun baseball facts and all that kind of stuff. So you did well, my friend. You did well. <laughs> I don't know about that. All right. Let's get back into it. Play ball. All right. So Garrett, so you mentioned, I want to talk a little bit more about just your management experience, your president, your CEO of this great company right now. You came in, as you shared, really right at the beginning of the pandemic, right? Like in May of 20s, I think when you came into the company, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even, I can't even imagine entering a new large company in that kind of a climate, uh, extremely difficult time to start any job, I think, um, let alone be the new leader CEO. What did that look like for you? And how did you begin to tackle, I guess, the, the challenges of the business environment at that time? I mean, literally one of the first things that we had to do was, figure out how to migrate from a what was a very office-centric culture to a remote culture. Sure. And, I, you know, starting it was the easy part. We closed the office. Um, <laughs> but then go, going from there to realize that, oh, my goodness, we need an entirely new set of policies um, and pr- procedures for our team. We need to understand the implications of not seeing our, our colleagues. I mean, it's, it's fascinating, Randy. We, we've got, you know, our second half uh, kickoff meeting with the team in person for the first time next, literally next week. And there are many members of our team that I've not met in person wow. <laughs> yet that I'm just eager to, to do so. Uh, and, you know, here, here we are two, two and a half years later. And so what we found, and we, I think we were very fortunate that one, our business was not heavily impacted by uh, COVID, and two, our team really embraced the uh, remote, remote first working environment and adapted very quickly to the point where we saw, you know, productivity, you know, uh, even rise because uh, you know you think about eliminated commutes uh, and other aspects uh, like that of uh, how how workers are doing their jobs and yeah it's it's been very very good for the neat company uh, overall and granted there's you know there are a few things for you know for me the you know, walking around the office and being able to just kind of do a quick check-in with people kind of goes away and of course if you schedule a meeting with somebody you're like, Oh, what does he want to talk about? <laughs> and I don't want or like to do that. And so that's, you know, something that I certainly miss being able to do, but we were very fortunate that our team adapted and it really, I really chalk it up to our leaders. And I'm sure as you you know talk about a lot on, on the show, having a great team around you is just absolutely everything uh, in a business like the knee company. We've been fortunate to have a really strong crop of, of leaders uh, that, that are here. And 
and when I came into the business, it was, um, you know, we were, we were on the, the brink of this, you know, introducing this new holistic version of our product that was doing so much more. And it really required amazing leadership from our team to navigate both that and a pandemic at the same time. I can't even imagine the struggles with that. You just mentioned something. One of the things in previous lives, I worked and was a leader in a, in a, in a large company. And I loved to just to kind of walk around and go touch base with the team and just like walk in to their, Hey, how's it going? You know, just that touch base informal kind of create um, uh, some of that connection and, you know, when the office is closed, you know, it's very difficult to do that. You know, and it, there is a little bit more of a uh, formality if I if you end up having to just pick up the phone and call. You know, if I got the call from, well, Mr. Baird just called me. Oh, my gosh. What's he want? <laughs> you know, like they're just yeah, right. instead of the, hey, what's going on? Good to see you today. How, how's your day going? Right. That that, you know, much more informal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right, because today's version of that is oh the the Slack message yes. from Garrett or the requested you know the calendar appointment for a Zoom call. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, that that doesn't quite have the same easy, carefree feel to it as just kind of doing a drop by. Right. I just um, want to know how your need experience is going. No right. big deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's I'm hard to convey that, this, right? You're like we're hey, all here to this. make things amazing together. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, yeah. That's what I want to talk about. <laughs> so how, how does that, so you, you made that transition kind of working at home, as you say, I love how you say, well, we just closed the office. <laughs> how does that look today? Because I know in so much, and you, you read so much in the headlines and talking about uh, remote work and uh, how people value and what they prefer and all of this kind of stuff. How, what does it look like at NEAT today? Um, and I should say, how, how many employees do you have at NEAT as a whole? We're, it's, we're right around 40. Uh, 40, so, 40 employees. So yeah. what does that look like today in the sense of, I don't want to say necessarily percentage, but um, you know, you have a number of people still working remotely or is everybody back in the building? What's uh, how, how's that make up? Yeah. So we, we really embraced uh, a remote first environment. So we, uh, we wound up not reopening our office to daily work. We, you know, we, we, we got gathered a ton of feedback from our team members, from our the, mm. the uh, needers that uh, work uh, work with us, and the response was overwhelming. That people really did uh, want to continue to be remote and embrace the the new levels of productivity that they felt felt strongly were a result of that. So what we decided to do, and we're just just in the process of implementing this because our office lease is expiring literally in a matter of days. We did, however, pick up a shared space so that we can gather together uh, either as small teams or for kind of a you know quarterly get together where we have the space. But we've got tremendous flexibility with the arrangement that we put together to. Uh, have small teams come together, have our full team come together, but primarily remain uh, remote and continue to accrue the benefits that we've seen out of that. Now that's, you know, I think there's something particular about obviously being a software company to be able to do that. Uh, Because certainly if we were, you know, working on, you know, 
intense projects, you know, drawing blueprints, things that really require, you know, lots of in-person interaction that, you know, a a Zoom or a Google Meet or a, a, you know, a a Miro board couldn't really bring together. We we may have made a different decision, Mm -hmm. but yeah, we, um, we're very excited about the the situation that we have and look to continue. Well, it certainly gives you a tremendous amount of flexibility. I think clearly just as you even outlined about your office space. So I'm assuming you've let go of the, probably the larger space and have acquired something that gives you a lot more flexibility as you outlined. That's it. Um, And it, it let us open the talent pool as well. So we were very oriented to Southeast Pennsylvania and South Jersey, Delaware, but you know, we've we've brought on team members from Illinois, Atlanta, right. um, you know, contractors in uh, even uh, even in Brazil. There's some super talented people right. Um, right. that are on our on our same exact time zone right. uh, and are super talented coders uh, that we we identified again during the during the pandemic. Yeah, so it really does. I that's the other aspect. I was like, hey, so all of this issue around staffing shortages and such, you uh, instead of being in a much more regionalized area, it allowed you to really expand. Um, and we're similar. We're, all of my staff is all remote. So we used to have a much larger office. Pandemic hit. A few months later, we did the exact same thing. We downsized our office, and now it's just me in the office basically and then everybody else is remote and dials in and we that's kind of fun i guess so good for you so what do you see around the corner for neat so you just released this great new app you got other stuff other tricks up your sleeve there mr president we do so we've released the new app uh we've announced this you know i think very exciting differentiator in uh in payment fees uh that the i think that will um uh you know really position us uh, well in the industry, particularly for those that are, you know, billing, billing primarily for their time. Uh, so consultants, freelancers, uh, side hustlers, et, et cetera. And uh, we, we plan to just continue to reach into those marketplaces and tell our story and let them know that, uh, you know, whether you are, you know, just getting your business going and you're trying to figure out what what does it mean to be financially organized? Uh, or you've kind of built a, a, a system of your own that might be working for you, but you know, you maybe you've got maybe an, an error caught you by surprise. Uh, that it, it's it's amazing when we hear our customers talk about how uh, we resolved errors uh, for them, and that <laughs> well more than paid for the subscription itself. But we're just going to continue to uh, bring our message uh, into the marketplace, serve more and more outstanding uh, so small business owners, uh, and continue to um, build upon the the awesome experience that is uh, the Neat platform right now. Nice. I loved it as well. I'm going to go back. You mentioned how you referred to your uh, team members, needers. <laughs> I loved I loved that. That was great. So I want to remind our folks, so many of our listeners are small business owners, entrepreneurs. Uh, they can find the Neat Company and their product services at neat.com. And we'll have these links as well down in the show notes. Uh, Also, don't forget the new app that's out. Go to the Apple App Store, look for Neat and sign up there. 14-day free trial with that. Very fun. 
Okay, Garrett, so here we are. We're at the bottom of the ninth, and this is where I have fun. I get to ask, uh, what advice do you have for rookies in the game? So you're this uh, old, grizzled uh, veteran managing business and finances since the Jersey Shore days. What, what kind of advice do you have for businesses who are just starting out in the game or maybe who all already have their business and are just looking for some, uh, some words of wisdom, some guidance? Yes. Number one, always is a health, a healthy obsession with your customers uh, and how they interact with you and what their needs and interests are. I've found whether I'm working with a very large enterprise or a, a, a very, uh, even the smallest of business owners, things, challenges happen. And it's how you respond to those challenges that make all the difference. You can, uh, you know, make mistakes, uh, have errors, that things things happen, but it's uh, how you respond uh, that shows the customer your your true grit and that they uh, appreciate. And that's what builds uh, long lasting relationships uh, and just tell them, tell them what's, what's happening. Uh, they appreciate absolute openness, uh, candor, honesty, et cetera. And then, you know, back to that concept of team, team members, teammates, meters in our case, Surrounding yourself with the the best people that you can find uh, makes all the difference uh, in business, in, in my experience. And I've been fortunate to have so many great people that have been colleagues and partners and customers uh, over time. It's been very, very fulfilling for me and uh, hopefully for them, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, it's working. It's great advice. And uh, it's a formula that's been working for you and your experiences and with NEAT over the last uh, number of years. So that is uh, terrific. I loved your first point on that, I think, which was, you know, hey, challenges happen and it's all about how you respond to that. And that continues to solidify the relationship with your clients. And I think that is so, so true. Um, and almost regardless of industry, uh, that relationship with the client is so critical and uh, continuing to maintain that. So good lessons. Well, thank you, Garrett, for being on the show. Been a, a lot of fun learning about Neat and things that you guys do and to help support small businesses and entrepreneurs. So and you taught me something about property management as well. So <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. All right. Yeah. It was a, yeah. Very, uh, so, somewhat disheveled version of property management looking back, but we made it work. A lot of people had a lot of fun. Uh, all right. Well, good for you. Well, thanks again for being on the show. And folks, that's the ball game. Thanks for joining us today. And if you like our show, please tell your friends, subscribe and review, and we'll see you around the ballpark. Running the Bases with Small Businesses is brought to you by 38 Digital Market, a digital marketing agency committed to client growth with lead generation, higher conversions, and increased sales. Connect with us today at 38digitalmarket.com.